It's really back to that, right? The old hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 tells us they worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And Acts chapter 2 reminds us, listen, he says, there's a difference between going to church and belonging to church. There's a difference between simply attending and truly connecting. And in a time of social media, right, when we have the capacity to connect with thousands of people every week, and yet in that connection, we still reminded that we long for something deeper. We long for a genuine sense of community. See, you were created to have your soul filled, and that kind of filling doesn't simply come by scrolling and swiping. That kind of soul fulfillment, that kind of deep need is more than simply just being entertained. It, it's true community, right? And the beauty is, it's the power of the local church that has been this way since Acts chapter two. You have the opportunity in this context to experience that kind of community that feeds your soul at the deepest level. So let me define community on that. And I love how our social scientists uh, define it. And here's kind of their definition. It's an emergent quality, right? It's community per se. It does not exist. But here's what it's perceived connection between a group of people. Here's what it is. Based on overlaps of intent, identity, interest, and experience. The, the best way for me to try to explain this definition would be like, go back to your high school days, all right? Uh, if you can't go there, go, remember your favorite high school musical. So, so some of my peeps, Breakfast Club, anybody remember those kind of days, all right? A little later, uh, high school musical that was there. Uh, younger crew, OBX, whatever it would be, whatever your game is, your jam. When you think about high school, that is the essence and the definition of this kind of community, right? Perceived interest. You, you see it. It's the jocks who have their own little subculture. They've established their own sense of community that's there. The theater kids, right? Think about your lunchroom, had their own kind of space. The academic kids created their own uh, community. Even those that are anti-establishment created their own community about being anti-establishment. They just didn't meet in the big room. I always love that. We have community because we're standing against community, but we're all in here. And here's the reason why, right? Because you can't escape it. You were created and hardwired by your creator to desire community, to need community, and to look where to find community. So how do we do it well? That's what we want to look at today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to 2 second, uh, second Corinthians chapter 5. If you're new with us, if you've got your phones, if you go to lexcity.info, all the sermon notes and everything is there that you can follow along with us as we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, amazing chapter. It's going to give us five, or it's going to give us three things that unite us in genuine community. So let's go. Chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ and we plead, come back to God. Let me give you three things that I think unite us in a very unique and very special way. Number one is simply this, is that we have the same Savior. Go back to verse 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. First Peter says it even better. It says, you are once a person with no identity, 
And now you are a people of God. See, there's a fundamental, think about it, there's a fundamental shift in my identity because of who my Savior is. As you think about that, it's my primary identity is found now in Christ. It's not in a label. It's not in a definition. It's not in a defining element that the world wants to place in, upon me. It comes in Christ. So I'm an Anglo, right? But I'm not primarily an Anglo, right? I'm a husband, but I'm not primarily a husband. I'm conservative, but I'm not primarily conservative because the book of Ephesians that we looked at this summer teaches me this, that I am adopted into the family of God. That my primary identity is as a child of the king, that I'm part of this kingdom community, and that trumps all other kind of identity markers that the world wants to place upon me. So I'm a follower of Christ who happens to be white. And I happen to be a husband. And I happen to like small government. But all of those are secondary to who I first and foremost am as a child of the king. So my loyalty and my commitment is to the family and to that I identify with the most, right? Because I am a new person. The old things have passed away. That's who I am first and foremost. Today is, is a very special day uh, for me. One of my longtime friends, Pastor Leroy Blackwood, down here in the front from Jamaica, and uh, his daughter, Terry Lee, is with us. And uh, Pastor Leroy and I, we've been friends for over 20 years, back when we were both young men. And um, we used to bring youth uh, teams down to Jamaica and work in some of the most challenging things that God has really called this man to work at. And, and we've had this great relationship. But I wanna remind you this, that... Second Chronicles, Corinthians reminds me of this, that I have more in common with Pastor Leroy because he is a brother in Christ. Even though, listen, we live in different parts of the world, even though we look different, even though our life experiences have been radically different, because he's my brother in Christ, I have more in common with him than I do my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus. See, there's an identity because we serve the same Savior. For us as Lex City Church, right, we're very diverse in terms of our stories and who we are and all these things, but because we have the same Savior, listen, we have community. In fact, this family, this church family, we will end up, this family of faith, we will end up actually spending eternity together. So I say often, we might as well start learning to do life together now because we're gonna do eternity together at some point. It's what we share in common that we have a Savior and who he is. The second thing that binds us together is that we have the same Savior, but we also have the same story. You may say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, Pastor, I kind of know your story. Your story's not like my story. Uh, can I just remind you this, that we may have a little bit different story, but listen, all of our stories began at the very same point. Now, the journey to having the same Savior may have looked radically different, but we all started at the very same point. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. The start of the old life is the story that we all share. Psalms chapter 51, verse five, David says it this way, for I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. That's our story. We all share it together. It starts at the same point. We were all sinners. We were born sinners. Now that story may play out differently and look dramatically different, but we have that same starting point. So think about our story. It's probably two big camps that we, we fall into, and so much of it doesn't it begin really our journey with our families of origin, right? 
Some of you have a story similar to my story. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home, came to know Christ at a very young age, and so I had moments of rebellion and waywardness, but they weren't long seasons. Some of you know the camp, you were born into some darkness, and over years that darkness at times even got darker. And there were years of rebellion and waywardness that were there. And a lot of you are, are somewhere in the middle and your story goes here. Here's an interesting thing. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, the one thing we all have in our common in our story is that somewhere in this journey, we had a moment when we were rescued. Somewhere in this journey, the hero of the story, Jesus showed up in our lives and radically changed us and transformed us. And so we have that in common. What we share as a church family in commonality is this. We have common that we all are part of the redemptive story of what God has done in our life. So from that point, the struggle for us is all the same. We, we struggle to try to live godly in an ungodly world and an ungodly culture. And because of that struggle, right, it's, it's why we talk so much here about groups and life groups and getting connected. Because listen, we truly believe it to be true. That life change happens best in the context of relationships in community. We talk about it not just because it fits a program. We talk about it because it's what will change and transform your life. That life change happens best in those relationships. So just like Acts 2, we have temple and corporate worship, but then we have home and groups ministry. Both are equally important and both are significant in your life towards growth. This temple experience and then in homes. Worship experience and then what we do in groups, they are, they are all there together. But it's what binds us together. It's our story. It's what resonated with Amber's story when you sat and watched and your heart was encouraged because we share the amazing work what God has done. The third thing that makes us a gospel community is this, is that we have the same service. Go down to verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we pleaded, come back to God. What unites us is this. Amidst it all, listen, we have a common purpose. You were created for the same thing, that, that we would know God and, and make God known. So we're a gospel community that's called to serve the Lord. We have the same Savior. We have the same story, and we have the same assignment. Now, in God's sovereign plan, to say how to he chooses to reach this world, he does something absolutely amazing. He places us all in different spheres of influences, in different communities, what, to be, what does it say, his ambassadors, you see, listen, you're going to reach people that I could never reach. And I'm going to reach people that you won't ever get to reach. And the weird part in 2021 is, listen, uh, I got the privilege. We'll reach, we have 2,000 folks that watch every Sunday. I'll reach people I will never get to see this side of heaven, which is an amazing concept and thought as we go. And so here's what God does. He places us in these things. He says to you, you're my ambassador. So listen, you got a hill to take. You got ground Monday morning that you, you've been assigned to defend. You're a watchman on the wall in your world, in your sphere of influence. And so he says, listen, it is so important. So be bold, right? Be confident. Know this, that God knows everything about you. And for whatever reason, he chose to place you in that sphere of influence. You are equipped to do what God needs you to do on Monday morning. That's why he made you his ambassador and he placed you in that place that I will never connect with. And I'll never be able to go, but God placed you there for a unique purpose. And so have that sense of meaning. Lex City 
will never reach our entire community and surrounding areas. But here's the beauty. God has placed Lex City ambassadors almost in every single area in our city and in our surrounding communities. I mean, it's a genius plan what God says. Listen, the gospel, it's not about a preacher. It's not about a program. It's about people. So I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put my ambassador, and we're gonna spread out. And you're gonna cover everywhere I've called you to reach. Every day coming tomorrow morning, we'll be in those places. And so just be bold in that. Never confuse it. This isn't it. It's you and what God is calling you to do and God's doing. So I go back to that, that secular definition of community. Remember some of these elements. It's connection between a group of people based on overlaps of intent, identity, interest, and experience. And I always love when science catches up to really what God's word has been preaching for thousands of years ago. All right, Paul said, yeah, that's what we call community because we have the same savior. We have the same story and we have the same service. And we go, he says, that's what makes community so important. Can you imagine what a unified, motivated, on mission gospel community could do in our city and around the world? Can you imagine if we woke up on Monday and had that focus that together where God has placed me is where God wants me for this week and this is my part of the mission? Can you imagine if that was true in our hearts? If, if you can't imagine it, I'm gonna tell you what, our enemy can imagine it. Our enemy has learned a powerful truth and we have seen it lived out before us in these last couple of years. He knows that isolation and division are just keys to destroying community. Right? If I can put labels on people, then we can divide people. If we can begin to focus on our differences, we're gonna miss what the true mission is all about. And when I can divide them, and I can begin to isolate them, then I know what they're, they're gonna now begin to judge each other, and we're gonna begin to judge motives. Not just what you're doing, but why you're doing it. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, what happens? We begin to put up walls, and we begin to separate. And when we do that, we pull away. And we begin to isolate. You know, that's been, if you'd say, what's been the hardest thing in this last couple of years, what we've gone through? The hardest thing has been, isn't, has been the heartbreaking thing of watching brothers and sisters in Christ who we love, different, love dearly, who have left community and decided the journey all alone. And that's been the heartbreak. They become isolated. And in that isolation, here's the challenge. In that isolation, they have become extremely vulnerable. As I think about that concept, the scripture that kept coming back over my mind and, and, and the visual that kept coming back was, was found in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, here's the perfect picture of what we see happening. And he simply says this. He says, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And this has been a tactic of lions hunting since the very beginning, right? Put fear in the hearts of the herd, right? Get them running in different directions. Get them running distracted rather than running together in cohesiveness. And then in that distraction, and then in that fear, in that worry, in that anxiety, then you find a buffalo that's sick and struggling and tired, separate from the herd, and then attack when they are most alone and they're most vulnerable. But Ephesians chapter four, verse 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back encounter, and three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I love the truth of God's word because it tells us this, when we stand united in our savior and in our story 
and are in a service, the enemy will flee. Friends, that's the promise for us through these years. That's why we start this year, we start this series talking about the importance of community, the importance of life groups and just doing life together. Because I propose to you, I, I think there's never been a more important time for the church to be reminded why we're the church and what unites our hearts together and why we join together and why we do this thing together. At a time when the enemy wants to divide us by our differences, can I be reminded that we are united by our Savior? When our culture wants to distort the truth, can I remind you what unites us is that we stand on absolute truth. When the lion wants to say to you, listen, you are all alone, <laughs> the king says, no, you're not. You're part of my community. You're part of my family. And in my family, no one walks alone. So how do you need to reconnect? And how do you need to get connected in community in this next year? And who do you know who has walked away from community, who needs to be invited back into the family. Because when we stand united, the enemy always flees. Father, we thank you for the truth of that. We thank you for the truth into our lives. The reminder <laughs> that God, we have more in common at the core of who we are than we have differences. Lord, remind us today that every label the world puts on us is secondary to the label that I am a child of the King, first and foremost, and everything else falls below that. So Lord, make this a place where as your ambassadors, we come every week, we watch online, and our hearts get encouraged, somebody challenges us, somebody walks alongside us and says, man, as your fellow ambassador, I'm with you in this journey Make this be a place of hope and healing and encouragement for the task that comes before. Thank you that in unity and numbers, there is strength. Thank you that you've already won the battle. And may we live that life in victory because of that. In your name we pray, amen.